Hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I have special guest Adam Greenfield, who is one of the founders of Find My Formula, a nootropics company. He hooked me up with some nootropics a while back. We really hit it off. We started talking about breathing, mindset, um, cognitive enhancement, all kinds of good stuff. And we decided to jump on a podcast. So this is what resulted from that conversation. Super good conversation. I learned quite a bit about nootropics. Um, I learned, we, we talked we actually dove really deep into entrepreneurship, how to start a business, uh, kind of the nature of owning a startup company, and just some different tactics and techniques to go about, uh, you know, building a business. So that was an interesting twist that I really enjoyed. But we definitely did touch on the nootropics, um, just some different biohacking techniques. But all in all, it was a great uh, conversation. Like I said, I learned a ton. So sit back, relax, hope you enjoy. Adam, we're live. How are you, man? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well. Wonderfully well. I uh, I must admit, I took a one of one of your sample packs of the Logic formula about 45 minutes ago prior to this call. So I hope to be running a whole other number of just efficiency and optimization during this conversation. Yeah, man. Uh, Logic's one of my favorites as well. I'm sure we'll explain a little bit more about what code word Logic means. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I love to hear that. For sure, man. Dive in and give me a little insight into, uh, I mean, I know you from like a nootropic standpoint, but I, I'm curious to see kind of your beginning stories, like what brought you into this realm of nootropics, um, kind of like biohacking, for lack of a better word. You know, you mm-hmm. just got done doing a fast. Like, what, what got you into this whole space in the first place? What compelled you to dive into this? The So the, uh, I'll try to condense this as much as possible. I think everyone can tell uh, their life story and take a really long time. For me, as far back as I can remember, I've been incredibly competitive, a competitive athlete, um, competitive in school that bled over to my career as an adult, highly competitive at the office, um, you know, constantly searching for little tweaks that I can do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and where really I started sinking in the biohacking thing probably started about a decade ago. Um, and it was probably the, the first really in-depth community that I sunk myself into was the CrossFit community. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it's not directly a biohacking quote unquote discipline or protocol, um, at least here in New York city, you have a lot of crossover. Um, you find a lot of highly productive, highly competitive, high performers who are trying to accomplish a lot of improvement in a very short amount of time. And that's generally why they go the CrossFit route. Um, the, my experience with nootropics started, I was the COO of a startup here in New York. Um, admittedly, I was incredibly underqualified for this position. Uh, this was several years ago. And uh, I was given it transparently because I knew someone. Um, and early on in my career, I had done a really good job of you know, being really loyal and being really hardworking. So it got around town. Um, I, I had a really good uh, reputation. And mm-hmm. so uh, a friend who had a big company 
needed someone to step in, gave me this offer. And in, and in reality, about six months in, I was failing and failing miserably. Um, and I was letting a lot of people around me down. So I called another friend who was also serial entrepreneur, quote unquote, um, who'd started a couple companies and done really well. And I was like, dude, in, in full desperation, I'm like, please come look at what I'm doing. Why am I having such a hard time? Why am I missing so many deadlines? Why am I unable to be productive? Um, and after he came in and looked at everything, he, he basically was like, listen, the, the processes that you're using to run the company are not that bad. The problem is, is you can't stay focused long enough to complete any one task. So you have a million tabs open in your, in your browser. You're working on 50 different projects at the same time. Um, you're not completing anything. So you're not delivering anything and, and everyone's going to get pissed at you. Um, he's like, have you heard of nootropics before? And, uh, you know, the only exposure that I'd really had to nootropics up until that point was Limitless the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he reached into his bag, he pulled out a pill um, or a couple of them, and he gave them to me. And uh, luckily, we got it right on the first try. And there was something in that, in that mix um, that triggered something in me. And that day, my friend, everything changed. Um, where all of a sudden, uh, you know, I used to call it my horse blinders, where for the first time in my life, um, it was like this amazing tunnel vision. And I could walk into a meeting and I could just stay really on task. I could sit in front of my computer for hours on end and, and stay locked in. Um, my mind wasn't wandering. I wasn't going off topic. It was, I had really regained this power um, and this control over my brain, which, you know, based on a million reasons, right? Uh, stress and um, addiction to my cell phone and addiction to social media and, and a product of being in a startup culture where there's always a million things going on and a million different opportunities and a million things to pull your attention away. All of a sudden, like the tunnel vision hit and, and it, it was a game changer for me. And then where I really fell in love, like where I knew nootropics, where it was like, truly impactful is when I went to the gym. Um, and I mentioned before I had been doing CrossFit for a long time and I am not like on any, I'm not unlike any other CrossFitter. I was getting injured all the time, shoulders, back, hips, ankles, blah, 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 blah. And once I started using nootropics, a lot of those injuries started going away. Why? Why wasn't I getting injured as, as frequently now taking nootropics? Um, and, and what we really boiled it down to was even during these elongated workouts, right? These 15, 20 minute high intensity sessions, um, what, we discern, what we figured out was that a lot of people are getting injured, you know, minute 12, minute 13, minute 14 of a 15 or 20 minute workout. Because you start, your brain starts fatiguing, you lose concentration, and then your standards go away, right? So you forget to keep your abs tight, or you forget to keep your ankles or your heels locked into the ground, or you forget to, you know, keep your wrists um, at a certain angle so that, you know, you don't get too much pressure on your wrists um, when you're doing overhead movements. 
And now that I was, you know, I, I, I was feeding my brain what it needed to, I was able to stay cognizant and present and calm and collected, even in these points of super high stress, these long CrossFit workouts. And I just stopped getting injured. Um, and then I was like, this is the real deal. This is the real deal. And I need to learn more. And then that's when, uh, that's when this real passion started. I like it, man. I feel like there's, I feel like stuff like, like nootropics, kind of like the same thing with keto. Like people get into keto and, and they oftentimes start because of the weight loss that they hear about everybody experiencing, but then they stay because of the anti-inflammation or the, the mental clarity. But there's like so many things that bleed into the benefits that it's hard to just sum up in a one-line sentence. But once you start, you know, consistently following, um, you know, proper supplementation, proper nutrition, proper training, like it all just kind of melds in your whole life and everything that it encompasses improves. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, the, do you think it'd be important? I'm a, does, does everyone listening to this, do you think that everyone knows what nootropics are? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely in the vocabulary, but I would love to hear okay. you kind of break it down even more. Yeah. So, um, for, for anyone who's new to that word, the way that I describe it in very simple terms is nootropics are a, is an umbrella term for a, a supplement or a nutrient that improves your, how well your brain works, right? So it's a supplement you take to make your brain work better. And underneath that umbrella, um, there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of different nutrients. Um, and everyone responds to those nutrients differently. Um, the, the, you know, the issue with nootropics a lot of times is it's really hard to figure out which ones work best for you. And then the kicker, um, which sometimes is the most frustrating for, part for people, is they need to be combined with other nootropics. Um, so standalone, one individual ingredient is going to have, many times going to have nominal impact on cognitive performance. However, when combined with the right supporting ingredient um, in the right dosage, um, the effects of these, of these things can be really, really, really powerful. I feel like it's kind of become a buzzword, so to speak, kind of like keto's become a buzzword, and there's like so many products popping out with just keto plastered all over it. I feel like the same is probably true with nootropics. Uh, since it's become more popular, there's a lot of companies trying to prey on the ignorant consumer. But I'd love to hear you just dive into why pairing these certain ingredients is key and how it's going to be individualized for the consumer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, dude, there's a ton of bad actors out there. Um, early, <laughs> early on in my exploration of nootropics, um, yeah, there, and, and that's the frustrating part, dude, is like there's a lot of misinformation um, there's a lot of bad actors. Um, you know, the, the, the popular side of nootropics right now, and most nootropics companies that you see um, are selling like one size fits all brain supplements mm -hmm. um, where um, basically, you know, you'll, the companies will hire a really smart doctor or a team of doctors. These doctors will go and, research all of these ingredients, um, and then take a really educated guess on how they should be combined 
and how much of each they should use. Um, in reality, that probably works for about half the people. So what ends up happening, right? People buy, you, you know, you go to GNC or, or you go on Amazon or, or, or you, you go to, you know, a, a reputable nootropic review site and, and you try one. And honestly, there's about a 50% chance that it's going to work for you. Um, which means five of it, out of every 10 people that take a one-size-fits-all nootropic, they don't feel anything. And, and that's when we start getting, you know, all of us who just have um, cabinets filled with pills that are three or pill bottles that are three quarters used. Um, and so that was the problem. That, that was a huge problem that we were trying to solve. So um, the, the idea is really simple everyone's brain is unique and everyone is going to have have a different optimal nootropic mix or nootropic stack okay so there's two ways to develop your optimal nootropic stack up until um we started our most recent company and all i, I i'm not here to you know, pitch my company or, or anything like that. I'll, I'll give you an idea of some of the research that we've done and, um, and some of the problems that we found. Um, but by no means, um, I, I'd love to talk about more either broad stuff or, or some other stuff. Anyhow, the, uh, so up until now, if you wanted to find the optimal mix for you, um, you basically have to go online dive deep into chat rooms, Reddit forums, Facebook groups, um, read an incredible amount of um, rather subjective content on the internet, order a ton of different ingredients, um, then you would have to measure out those ingredients yourself, chart all of the different ways that it makes you feel, and then only months later, after you've tried enough, can you make an educated guess on which mixtures work best for you. If that sounds nauseating, it is. It's a really long and arduous process that leaves most of the people that do it frustrated and just giving up, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was one of those guys. Um, my partner, Dan, was also one of those guys. And... We were like, this, this needs to be easier and simpler. There needs to be a simpler and easier way to figure out which nootropics work best for each individual's brain chemistry. Um, Dan uh, has his master's from Yale. He studied, neuro he studied cognitive science while he was there. Um, and it was really just an issue with data, right? There wasn't enough data available to make proper recommendations or educated guesses on who should be taking what nutrient or who should be taking what uh, nootropic. So almost three years ago now, we launched uh, what is now considered to be the largest study ever done on the efficacy of nootropics, um, where we've taken almost 2,500 people through a semi-blind trial. Um, and collected the largest data set on the efficacy of nootropics. We've tested 
127 different ingredients, thousands of different combinations, collected millions and millions of data points. And we now, we basically took that data, taught it to a recommendation engine, and now someone can take a three-minute survey, answer a couple lifestyle questions, a couple um, basic questions that you would answer if you were going into any type of uh, clinical study. And we can make, and, and then we can recommend specifically which combinations you should start with. Um, so yeah, I encourage uh, that part of our company is free. So feel free, go, go on our website, take the survey, figure out what our recommendations are. Um, if you want to go buy them from someone else, you can. If you want to get them from us, you can too. Um, we make it really easy by, by packaging them all together. And, and, I, and I know, bud, you've, you've gone through the process as well and, and been testing that stuff out. Yeah, I remember seeing, I don't remember where I saw the first uh, you know, branded post uh, for your company, but then I, I really just liked the whole concept. Like there was, you know, most people from like an outside perspective, they think of nootropics. They don't really have any differentiation between how one nootropic is supposed to make you feel over the other. Whereas with, with your company, it like you open up the box and it breaks it down. Like this box is for logic. This box is for clarity. This box is for energy. And then you have like a little piece of paper that tells people how it would be most applicable. You know, what, what kind of task would be most applicable for what, you know, stack of nootropics. And I feel like that makes it just much more customizable. I mean, I'll, I'll take a different stack based off of what I'm going to do that day. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the most elementary question that we ask is what does better brain performance mean to you? Right. That's, that's basically how we started. It was like, how do you define better brain performance as we're, as we're talking to a, a user or a potential customer? And what we found was that it changes every day, right? On, on days that you have 10 meetings and you're running around crazy like a chicken with your head cut off, you technically need a different part of your brain to fire than on days you're sitting in front of your computer looking at spreadsheets, which right. is different than on days where you're doing creative work like writing or, um, or editing uh, videos or posts or podcasts. Um, and so naturally, the nootropics you're going to need each day are going to are going to vary. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I talk about, I say this a lot and it kind of hits home with people, but like, you know, to, to have like a one size fits all nootropic is, is like if a sneaker company only sold one sneaker, one style sneaker in one size, right? Um, you know, for example, what if Nike just sold the Air Jordan 1 in a size 9? You know, for people who like the Air Jordan 1 and are a size nine, great fit on the days they want to wear an Air Jordan one. Uh, but what about the rest of the community? And what about the rest of the days when, you know, they have to go to work or, you know, they need to go to CrossFit. Like they, you need different tools for different activities. Um, and yeah, and, and different biological makeups. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. Are there any uh, like classic 80, 20 examples of the majority of the people that you poll, they all tend to benefit from, you know, like just batching one specific nootropic over another more outlier or specialized nootropic? We definitely have certain mixes that have a much higher efficacy rate. Um, so the the highest efficacy rate currently is our 
what we call energy formula, which is phenylpyrazetam and acetylcholine. Um, yeah, a much higher percentage of people end up that working for, and then they all kind of go down from there. Of of the four varieties that I've tried, I definitely could tell more of a difference with the energy blend. Could you can yeah. you break down those sub ingredients right. and then kind of just explain what those are firing and and kind of like where they're most effective? Yeah. So the the, the way that our company is broken down, um, the science side of our company is run by my partner Dan Freed, um, who I mentioned before went to Yale, um, oversees like our board of medical advisors who are everything from, you know, uh, MD, PhDs at Penn, MIT, uh, some of his classmates at Yale. Um, he would very, he would definitely be much more qualified to give you the scientific background um, on all that. I am beyond happy to schedule some time, um, but I wouldn't be doing it justice and I wouldn't be giving people enough value um, when there's someone like Dan who's uh, who, who could easily give you a, a full background on that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love to love to talk with him. You, you didn't say that there was there's no caffeine in that, right? Um, so all of everything we make um, is either you, you can do with or without caffeine. Gotcha. That that blend specifically, I don't remember. I have to look at the package. But is there any caffeine in that uh, that one you sent me? Every every individual blend, I. I'm not in front of my database right now, so I couldn't tell you exactly if your blends had caffeine in them. Um, yeah, do you have the boxes in front of you? No, they're they're in the in the other room. But I must I don't think they did, which was another pretty cool point because most people I feel like if they're starting to start to you know wind down a little bit and need more get up and go, they always just reach for caffeine. So it's good having a nootropic that kind of minimizes the need to use caffeine as a crutch basically caffeine's another crazy uh conversation that we can have right so we do sell caffeine and originally when we first started the company we were not using caffeine at all Mm -hmm. um and the reason we didn't was because technically caffeine is addictive um and we had a very strong stance against using any ingredient that had been clinically shown to have addictive qualities to it. However, um, we started getting a a lot of requests to add caffeine in. Um, And ethically speaking, we had the conversation and, and we came to an agreement that we believe that for the most part, people understand um, the risk with caffeine and Um, They can make that decision on their own, obviously, with coffee, right? So technically, caffeine is the most dangerous ingredient that we sell. Um, And we allow people to choose whether they want it or not. Um, I personally make all of my own formulas without caffeine, um, and then I dose it on my own, right? One or two keto coffees a day um, is, is about that caffeine threshold, right? About 150 to 200 milligrams a day. Um, so yeah, but I, I, I can, I can give you countless stories of customers who have gone off of coffee because they now have their nootropics, um, or have vastly reduced, you know, maybe someone who was at, well, I know, for example, an exact 
one of my coaches here in New York went from four cups of coffee a day to one using nootropic, using our nootropics. Um, and then there was like some other incredible stuff that happened, right? Like he started reading for the first time in his adult life. Uh, he's like polishing off books left and right now, um, which was, which was something that was pretty awesome. I even notice a difference in, in some of like the morning classes that he teaches. Um, you know, especially, you know, this is, a, this is a guy that wakes up at three 30 in the morning, four o'clock in the morning and, and is coaching, um, high performance athletes by, by 5.00 AM. Um, and, and it was, and you could tell, like he wouldn't really hit his stride until six thirty seven AM, right. Those first couple classes. Mm-hmm. And now like that, those 5.00 AM classes, he'll even tell you he is cranking. Um, he is present. He is energized. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when you experience a whole nother level of productivity. I mean, it's a lot of people say the same thing when they when they first get on keto for the first time there's endless energy but regardless of what vehicle you use to get there it's hard to be there and then ever turn back from that because you just get so much more done in a 24-hour period and that compounded daily is just pretty unstoppable yeah i mean a lot of what i think about in terms of my own personal development right now is centered around productivity um, getting as much, as sick as it sounds, getting as much done, uh, as fast as I can, um, and as efficiently as possible. Um, and the most amount of time is wasted for me personally, when my mind wanders. I mean, I can remember five or six years ago, like snapping to, right? And being like, where did the day go? It's five o'clock. Um, I felt like I had just walked in and, you know, yeah, I'd been busy all day. Um, but, you know, it was like this weird intermittent daydreaming and social media holes. Um, and it wasn't until I found stuff like nootropics and the ketogenic diet. Um, and I told you before we started recording, I, I just finished a 72-hour fast. Um, yeah, dive, dive into that, man. What was the, what was the motivation for doing that? And what are some of the things you noticed while doing it? Yeah. Um, so the motivation was really simple, right? It was, so I've pretty basically for the past year and a half, I've been doing 16 hour intermittent fasts, um, and enjoying them, feeling good about them. Um, and I was listening to Peter Atia, Dr. Peter Atia. Um, who's a longevity doctor, if, if anyone doesn't know him, as a podcast, and he's, he's pretty popular within like the biohacking community. And he's been speaking for years about fasting. And he was always very upfront about like, listen, we know fasting works. We don't know exactly which fasting protocol works best. Is it the 16 hour? Is it a 24 hour? Is it a three-day fast? Is it a five-day fast? Is it a seven-day fast? Is it an OMAD where you're eating just one meal a day? Like, there's all of these different things. Like, what's the best? And Peter Atia has become very credible within the biohacking community because he employs, I believe, a team of 12 researchers who are just combing through clinical trial data and all new papers that are coming out constantly. Um, 
And a lot of it's really is over my head personally, but he was on a podcast earlier this year where he said that after himself experimenting with um, a number of the fasting protocols and his team looking at research, they really found that the most effective fasting protocol, according um, to his research, was uh, the three-day, the 72-hour water fast four times a year, or what equates out to once per quarter. Um, and I heard this, it was probably early September, and I said, wow, that, that seems pretty cool. I've done 24-hour fast. I'm constantly doing these 16-hour, 18-hour I'll even 20 hour fast per day. Um, but the 72 thing seems like a pretty heavy lift. Um, I was like, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a team of people. So I recruited um, what ended up being five friends and I was able to coerce them into starving themselves for three days by offering to host um, a dinner at my apartment here in Manhattan uh, when we kicked off and a dinner when we culminated um, so two free meals, um, and in exchange, they wouldn't eat for 72 hours. Um, and it ended up being a really, really, really fun experience. Um, I felt awesome. Um, day one, so day one, I, I guess was a bit of a wash, um, because I'm so used to already fasting those first few hours, mm -hmm. um, or I'm used to already fasting 18, 20 hours. So so day one wasn't really that that tough. Um, the big mistake that I made, so I was drinking water and drinking coffee through the entire time, kind of OD'd on the coffee early on in the day. I think I had like three black coffees. Yeah. Um, normally, um, all of my coffee is taken with ghee and MCT oil. And so I underestimated how my body would respond to those to that really intense black coffee caffeine rush. And so after not supporting it with any fat and just, you know, basically just like mainlining 300 milligrams of caffeine into my system, by four o'clock on day one, my brain had totally crashed and I spent the rest of the day like, I think I was probably watching some of your videos on YouTube. <laughs> um, day two uh, was tough, was, the, was definitely the toughest. Um, I was just tired and maybe a little frustrated and a little ornery. And then by the end of day two, so probably about hour 45, um, I really started to fall into what can be described as like that ketogenic flow um, where I became incredibly conversational. Um, while I wasn't, I had a lot of mental energy, my body felt a little lethargic. So my, I would say my I wouldn't have been able to work out. Uh, my limbs felt a little heavy. I was I would was walking around a little bit slower, um, but cognitively, like I was so on. I was having really great conversations. I went to an I went to a party where everyone was drinking, and I had no problem sipping water. Um, and then and then you wake up on day three, and and you feel like a superhero um, again um, mentally you you feel really powerful um incredibly present time is moving beautifully slow you don't feel rushed um 
you're calculating three or four steps ahead. You don't have that feeling that like, oh, am I forgetting something? Um, your body is a little bit drained. Um, so again, your limbs feel heavy. You're walking a little bit slower, but it's, it feels very calming. Um, and yet, and then that was all day yesterday. Um, and then, you know, all my friends came back over to my place, um, last night and we had a beautiful meal and I made broth and raw veggies and, um, some vegetable juices, exactly how the internet told me to break a fast. And, and yeah, and now we're, we're back to normal today, eating like a maniac. I like it. I like it. Were you like taking in a bunch of electrolytes like sodium potassium throughout or no so i basically was putting pink himalaya sea salt in um two eight ounce glasses of water per day gotcha that made a difference i'm sure i bet if that was not there that would be uh unpleasant for sure (laughs) yeah um yeah i I aired on the side of caution yeah i really wasn't sure um so i i yeah. Um, there were definitely like some intermittent headaches and um, things along those lines. But uh, yeah, that's so, what I did. So, one 72 hour fast every quarter. Are you going to plan on making that a, a pretty consistent thing for you? Yeah, man. We already, we already have it. Uh, I mean, just from like posting on Instagram on some stories, like I already have a list of like 15 more people who, who want to get down next, next quarter. Um, I think it could be something pretty big. It was it was a beautiful experience, right? We were all in a WhatsApp group together, and we were um, we had uh, we had I had necklaces made for everyone that we all wore throughout the, the three days. And anytime anyone got hungry, they they just had something right around their neck that reminded them that there were people there supporting them, and um, and that they were responsible and and accountable to the other people in the group. Um, and that we were all counting on each other to be disciplined and mentally strong and get through this. Um, and you know, whenever anyone needed to complain and bitch and moan, like they got on a a video call with one of us and, you know, let it out, um, rather than letting it stew inside of them. Um, and so this was kind of like a beta test and it worked out so well. And, um, yeah, and I just want to – we're going to look to grow this community. I like it, man. Yeah, fasting is, is advantageous for sure. I I am not going to do a fast until after my prep is over, but after my prep is over, I'll probably do you know, a three-day faster. So the longest I've gone is uh, four and a half days, and that was a pretty good stretch. But I felt really good throughout the whole thing. Like, It's funny. When you're fat adapted, you're able to go through a fast and sustain it without any, any crazy issues. Most people that have never been – fat adapted will look at you like you have we're speaking with two heads or something because they just can't fathom what it would be like to eat you know not eat for more than a few hours yeah i couldn't agree more um the even you know us last night we were looking at one another and we're like listen it's nice to eat but if we had to do another two days we totally could yeah you were you were diving into you know just improving overall productivity being the main the main goal. Um, are there any particular like softwares or, or apps or anything that you use to kind of hedge hedge your bets and and make sure there's nothing that kind of sneaks in and crashes your productivity at all? So 
the the caveat with saying I'm working on productivity has to be the assumption that I'm really shitty at being productive now. Yeah. Um, so I am not a productivity expert. I am still very much a productivity student. Um, and reading as much as I can. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing, right? Like I've looked at some of the softwares. For the most part, it's so funny because, you know, I've started technology companies, but I'm not really that tech savvy. I'm, I always, you know, partner with someone who's a lot more tech savvy than I do and I handle the business side. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, listen, we use Trello which is like a project management software. I'm not that good at it. I don't, I don't really adhere to the protocols that well. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the one thing that I've done that over the past several weeks that has worked really well for me, um, which is very common, uh, frequently given advice, um, which I've probably heard nonstop for 10 years and only now in full desperation have I truly applied. But it's being maniacal about working on as few things as possible um, and truly getting them done. Um, So, I mean, listen, we're relatively new friends. We haven't known each other that long, but, you know, I'm I'm synonymous with like taking a million meetings, having a million projects going on at the same time. If someone asked me to get lunch or get coffee or um, go to this event, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Every opportunity grabbing at. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I became uh, the one of the first things I did when this this pro- project productivity, if you want to call it that, really came on, was basically saying no to everything, unless it directly helped me accomplish the project, the one or two projects that I'm working on. And then the other thing is, is I'm only trying to work on one or two things at a time. And when I say at a time, that might be for a two or three week stretch, only working on one or two things, which is really hard when you're starting a, uh, when you're starting a startup. Um, and you know, you as a founder need to be responsible for everything. Um, but really trying to, again, going back to this horse blinder mentality um, where it's one or two projects, fully specking out those projects and understanding everything that would go in or at least trying to guess um, and make educated guesses on, on everything that will go into completing that one project and then not taking on any other projects and saying polite, politely saying no to everything else or you know, even phone calls, um, you know, lunch meetings. I am not taking a lunch meeting or a coffee meeting or going to an event or a phone call unless it directly impacts the project that I'm working on right now. And if someone calls me and they're like, hey, I've got this great opportunity for you. And, and you know, normally in my past life, I would say, yeah, totally sure. Let's jump on the phone. Tell me about it. And I'll tell you if it's a good fit for us or not. Now um, I say, no, I'm not working on that right now. And I give them a date when, uh, and, and if it does, and I'm, I'm, if it is something that I do want to learn about, um, I then give them a date, even if that date is like an asinine point in the future. Like 
I'm not looking at something like this until June of 2020, which is stuff I say now, um, which I don't think I could have ever said in the past, right? I would have felt like I was in being rude or, um, or, you know, just inconsiderate or, you know, they wouldn't like me. And, and now I just don't give a shit. Um, because the, the pain of being unproductive, um, is so intense, um, in my life right now that, uh, I would rather just tell someone the truth. Like, listen, I'm not willing to take your phone call until June. You can circle back with me in May. Um, and you know, I'll reevaluate it then if we want to get on the phone. Um, and that has, that's, that's allowed me to finish more stuff faster um, rather than a project, you know, that seems relatively simple, taking me three months to complete because I'm working on 10 other things at the same time. Now I'm working on only one or two things at the same time. So I can get that project done in, in two or three weeks. Um, it's healthier for me. It's healthier for my company. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, that's, that's been my thing. That's huge, man. I feel like a lot of people have heard that wisdom before, but it's hard to put into day-to-day application. But, I mean, like for me, as a businessman and an athlete and just a busy person in general, like it's it's hard, man. Like I've got employees that always, you know, need something. Um, they're just constantly, you know, calls and schedules changing. And I've tried to block out certain times where, like, I, I use that Calendly app where if I send people a link, they can schedule a call but I only allow certain blocks of time to be open for scheduling. Any any time, you know, prior to that or after that is, is not available. But, you know, calls come up. It's just, it's just, it's hard to say no because we live in a, a yes man mentality. Like you want to just jump on every opportunity. You want to just make sure that you're, you know, doing everything you physically can to put yourself out there. And there's a time period in your in your life where you probably need to do that. But if you start getting some momentum, and you just need to focus in, like you really have to just say no to so much more than you say yes to. And I've tried to work on that myself. Like when I was broke and trying to build the business initially, like I literally was losing friends left and right because I would would not allow myself pretty much any human interaction until I started getting some momentum going. And that's a sacrifice a lot of people just aren't willing to take. But saying no and really digging deep is, is absolutely necessary to to be anybody in life and you know i think that's a common misconception because i've tested that and in reality uh what most people will find is that you can turn the you can turn that social faucet back on right away yeah especially if you did well right like if you were broke before and you were like to a bunch of friends like i can't hang out and six, eight, 12 months goes by and now you're making money and you're like, oh, I want to start in, you know, now I, now I've systematized things. I've automated things. Um, I can take some time for me now and you can turn that faucet on, especially now because you got some cash and people like being around successful people. Um, and I, and I've found that too, right? Like, I can go, people come to expect it, I think, at least in, in my friend, in my, in my friend and contact space, right? Like I can go silent for six months, heads down, hibernation, balls to the wall, only working on 
um, things that relate to the business, not talking to any friends, um, one word answer on texts, um, saying no to every event. And then I'm like, I want to be social again. Um, and people will, the, the right people, um, will, will reenter your social sphere pretty fast. Um, so I, I kind of think that's a fear that's based on no data. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a, a crutch that people use as an excuse to not, you know, put the blinders on and dig deep. I feel like any friend or family member that's worth their salt and like actually cares about your well-being will be understanding of that. And if they're going to totally diminish the friendship to nothing because you need that six months of just grind time and they're letting it affect them that negatively in the first place, and they probably just don't have enough stuff going on in their life that's worthwhile. I mean, if you've got things to do, you got things to do. And I've had to take times to do that. And, I mean, my friends respect it now, and they see the fruits of my labor, which at the end of the day just offers them and me and us more opportunity. So I feel like people need to be more understanding and accepting of that without a doubt. So I got two questions for you. Number one, um, I want to pick your brain on some of your productivity hacks or productivity best practices and then to what are some i want to i want to hear what you think are some other common misconceptions <clears throat> around um fears about entrepreneurship or things that you've learned that um that you didn't know before you started your company yeah for but sure let's let's start with some productivity stuff teach uh, me i'm a student <laughs> So one simple thing is to just leverage where you feel most productive from a time standpoint. Like I, mm. I, I liked a lot of people, like I was watching Tim Ferriss and Tim Ferriss is all about sleeping in late and staying up late and working during the night hours. And I tried that and I did that for a little while, but that just didn't resonate well with me. So I've switched and now I've shifted everything to the morning. And a lot of people tout about you know using the morning, and, and some people are def just definitely not morning people. So don't try to be one if you're not. Um, but now I wake up at three o'clock every morning, and I spend uh, the first hour specifically for me. Nobody gets that time but me. Uh, the next hour is when I train. I train with my wife, and that's at four o'clock in the morning. So nobody's bothering me then either. Um, I tried training midday, but then I'd have like. You know, I have to help the employees with something. And I have to just, you know, jump on a podcast. It was just too much things going on. So, like, the, the, the things in my life that I really want to just prioritize and focus on and use as a base and a foundation, I try and do those things before anybody else is ever awake or ever doing anything. Like, nobody has the right to message me at 4.30 in the morning and expect an immediate response. Like, that just doesn't happen. So I use that time to be incredibly productive with the things that I'm focusing on. Um, and for me, what time do you go to sleep? Uh, so ideally I would go to sleep at eight, but that mm -hmm. never happens. Typically I go to sleep at like nine thirty, sometimes 10. If I go to bed at 10 and I actually fall asleep that late, then I wind up just not getting enough sleep. I mean, five hours, yeah. which isn't very much. Um, so I try and go to bed a little bit earlier or at least start winding down. I've been trying to eat a little bit earlier in the day and then try and start winding down. Um, after my employees leave and then I can kind of, you know, switch the focus back to what I need to do um, and then, you know, fall asleep faster. Because I, I oftentimes in the past it worked, you know, on the computer right up to the point where I go to bed. And I'll, I'll still do that every once in a while, but I just don't fall asleep as efficiently. And if I'm yeah. going to bed and, and waking up that early, I need to pretty much 
be falling asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow. So yeah, really knowing yourself and being self-aware as to what hours of the day you find yourself most productive and then, you know, carving that time out is key. And most people I would argue it's just not going to be in the middle of the day. Like it's not going to be when everybody else is doing things. So whether it be early hours or late hours, but making that time your time and then just capitalizing on it. Yeah. Um, and then as far yeah, as I, I think I'm still going through that process of trying to figure out, am I, am I a morning person or a late person? So it doesn't happen I, overnight, man. Like I, I played around yeah. with it. It doesn't, it, it takes a little of experimentation. Like I didn't think I was a morning person for a while and I tried it and I hated it. And then I've tried it several times and I've hated it several times, but this last time it's just stuck and now I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've definitely realized I need seven hours of sleep, mm-hmm. right? And and then I have a very specific morning routine that I could do in an hour, but most times it takes me two hours to get through all this stuff. Um, my issue, and I think it's probably a product of where I live, is going to sleep at, at a respectable hour. Yeah. Um, and so most nights I get to sleep at midnight and which means I don't wake up till seven because I have a non-negotiable seven hours. And then I have my morning routine. That's the breath work and the meditation and this movement practice. Um, and you know, my, my time with my butter coffee. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I don't end up leaving the house till nine or nine fifteen. Um, I'm at the office by 10 and that's not a morning routine, even though I feel, I feel most awake in the morning. Um, and then on the, on the backside, like I've tried to like go home and work, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, leave the office at seven, you go, you know, you, you grab dinner or you, you go to an event really fast if it's, if it's related to what I'm working on. And then, you know, go home and you say, okay, from, you know, 9.30 to 12, I'm going to knock out work. Nope, not happening for me. Um, and so I know I'm not a night worker. Um, so a part of me, I need to figure out how to just go to sleep earlier. So I've tried uh, the blue blocking glasses, um, which I feel like get me a more restful sleep. Um and, you know, maybe they start winding me down 20, 30 minutes earlier. So it's, that's, a, that's a nice little delta. Um, I've tried the, um, you know, turning my phone off, which is, I think, a bit of a fool's errand. It's, that's like the toughest thing for me. And, and I'm a pretty disciplined guy. Um, I've tried make, just making the apartment incredibly cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably... The, the one thing I really haven't tried that's like popular sleep knowledge is uh, is the blackout curtains, which I haven't bought yet. Yeah, I definitely recommend. There's there's no – I picked a room that has zero windows for my bedroom, so everything's blacked out, and I use a weighted blanket, and I have it really cold. And those mm. things have helped for sure. But, I mean, honestly, if you start waking up really early, you're going to be much more likely to go to bed a little earlier. So you may have to have like a couple-day lag period where – you're just dragging throughout the day because you're 
still kind of going to bed later, but you're also waking up earlier. But if you kind of reset things the other way, you know, you start waking up earlier. I mean, it's going to be much easier for you to fall asleep before midnight. Fascinating. All right. Good coaching. Thank you. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I forget you asked me two questions. I forget what the second was. Uh, no, we asked about productivity and then common misconceptions, right? Where, what are some of these things that you feel like, um, as you were starting your business, things that like you found that were not true, that every that everyone thinks are true about entrepreneurship. One you thing know, that's really one popular being that that example that we talked about before, where it's like, if I start saying no to my friends, I'm going to lose them forever, which is I have proven that is is untrue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing that's super popular right now is um, finding an investor or some kind of funding option or even doing like a crowdsourcing and basically just getting any kind of external funding in. And that's what's popular. That's what's like sexy. So that's what everybody's doing. And I don't have anything against that. Like it works really, really well. It's a proven model for a lot of companies that have grown exponentially faster because they went that route than if they tried to, you know, not go that route. But for me, I've never taken on any outside capital. I've bootstrapped from the beginning. And while it may be true that I've grown slower because of that, I feel like we've grown pretty freaking fast. And I feel like it's because the audience that we've, you know, marketed to and appealed to and, and built a relationship with and a friendship with, it's because they're, it's a deeper audience. Like there's more connectivity. There's more brand loyalty there. And I feel like you're much better off doing that organically, bootstrapping the hard way, the long game, than if you were to ever take an outside investment and just have all the noise that comes with that. I was having this conversation this weekend um, with a friend of mine who um, is working on a company now, and his last company, they raised $40 million, so a relatively large amount of money. Mm-hmm. And he said the the stress that went along with having um, – those investors to answer to for him was was a was a hard thing um we yeah and 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 for his new company he he's really trying to think through how how he can grow it at a fast ish rate um without having to take on venture capital um we you know we we're venture backed company um, we will continue to raise a little bit more venture capital. Um, but I think that we, we have a, we don't need that much, right? We don't need right now 20 or $40 million. Um, and so we, we definitely understand the stresses that go along with that. Um, we've heard horror stories. Uh, we have plenty of friends who, uh, have raised a lot of money and and had this incredible pressure to multiply their growth um, in you know what seems to be almost inhuman uh, in inhuman ways, um, and it, it may not be the healthiest thing. So, listen, I, I'm pr- I'm probably in your camp a little uh, quite a bit where we're going to be very very careful. Um, and take a lot of time to assess the exact right amount of money that we need to take from outside investors. Um, but traditionally, 
nootropics companies don't raise a bunch of money. You know, we were profitable in month one. Yeah. Um, and so, or technically we were profitable in month two. We were profitable after month one. And, uh, however, uh, you know, we have a very clear mission, um, in order to build out the, the technology and, and the data science side that we want to, um, and to continue, um, offering even more granular customization, um, and, you know, creating content at scale the way that we want to, um, we're going to have to take some outside capital. Yeah. And like I said, I don't have anything against companies that go that route. It's just a different route for me. Like I, uh, I just didn't want to have that stress for one. I mean, one of the reasons I quit my corporate job was that I wouldn't have to answer to anybody. And I felt like I'd be kind of hypocritical if I was to, to have to answer to a venture capitalist. So I like that I bootstrapped it. Um, but there's always pros and cons to everything. I mean, at the end of the day, I answer to the consumers. Like the buck stops with me and, the, and that any, you know, negative that befalls the business is my fault. Like I always take the blame for everything but I really want to give my, you know, audience, my consumers, everything. And I have to answer to them, but I'm proud to answer to them. That's where all of our income comes from. This is from the audience. And since I don't have, uh, you know, a venture capitalist to try and appeal to or appease to, I'm able to, to focus the stress that I would have towards that solely on answering to the consumer. And I feel like that's offered a, a, a better, more genuine relationship with them personally, like for me, for our company. But there's other companies that do an amazing job at juggling both of those stressors, whereas I just don't think I'd be able to. What, what an incredible piece of insight into, into yourself. And how lucky are you? Like, we were, we, I was also having this conversation with a friend the other day about, um, you know, we, this person, you know, always wanted to be a startup founder, wanted to, you know, start a, start a tech company and tried several times and kept failing. And, and it turned out that like they wanted, this person wanted to have a tech company and have grown a big tech company, but really didn't enjoy the pains of what it took to go through that process. And, and it wasn't fair to grade themselves on this, um, on this scale of like, you know, I'm only successful if I'm, if I can be a founder of a company and grow it to a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, because, they just weren't willing to admit that the, the problems and the issues that will come up as a startup founder when you're venture backed, when you have venture capitalists to answer to, are not problems that this person enjoys solving or dealing with and, and crumbled under the pressure. And, uh, and so like success to them shouldn't be starting a company it should be other things problems that they want to enjoy and so like you are just setting yourself up for such great success by being like now i know that you know the the pressures that would go along with raising capital um i would not be 
I am not incredibly well qualified to handle. And thus you're not getting yourself into that situation. Um, and you know, a, it's perfect. The common misconception is that only successful businesses, o- only venture back companies are successful businesses, which is beyond bullshit. Yeah. Totally. Um, agree. and, uh, and I love it. I love it, dude. What, that's so cool that you know that are able to admit it in public and you're so comfortable with it and it can guide your values. Um, and yeah, I mean, now I have a question. Is, is this a company that you can see yourself working in or running for a long period of time? Oh yeah, totally, man. Like I, before I ever started the company, I reverse engineered my life and I asked myself, how do I want to live on a day-to-day basis? What do I want my day-to-day to look like? And I basically turned that into the business that I'm currently living every single day. So I don't want to escape from it. I don't have any reason to escape. Yeah. F and A, man. Like, that's awesome. And it's paying the bills. It's yeah. making you good money. And it'll continue making you even better money. Um, and yeah. what's even more than the money is like, I love the people that I interact with. Like I love getting the emails about how something we said on a podcast or something, you know, the keto bricks or something we're doing has made a positive impact on their lives. Like that to me, that, that pays my fulfillment bill. And I put a hell of a lot more weight in that than any kind of monetary bill. Yeah. Wow. How cool is that, man? Love it, man. How awesome is that? I love it. Well, shoot, dude, I know you got a lot going on. I don't want to, keep you on here too long i know you got to fight some fires being an entrepreneur yourself um but it's been a freaking pleasure talking with you i love that we dove into nootropics talked about the fasting and then talked about uh how to start up a startup you know that's that's (laughs) i love it all the Uh, things i'm passionate about uh so where can people go to find out more about you and i don't even think we we said the name of the company the nootropics you you want to throw that in there so the company we started is find my formula it's findmyformula.com or at find my formula on Instagram. Um, yeah, check out the website, take the quiz, see which, um, which, see which supplements, nootropics are, are best for you. If, if you want to buy them through us, awesome. Um, we would absolutely love that. And, uh, and they get delivered every month in fully, you know, fully measured out packets. So, Every day, you just grab a packet that correlates with uh, whatever your activity is. Um, you take the pills inside, and, and you're done. Um, if you want to connect with me directly, you can email me. It's just adam at findmyformula.com. You can DM us on Instagram, and I will see that DM. Um, and, yeah, I would love to hear from you and, and beyond happy to answer specific questions about neuro optimization, brain optimization, nootropics, um, you know, dispel any misconceptions or, or answer any questions. And if I don't know the answer to anything, I, um, I will for sure point you in the right direction and, and find you a resource who does. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, man, always a pleasure. Let's definitely keep in touch. I'm going to place sure. another order here soon. Cause I need to get some more of those energy, uh, nootropics. Yeah. I'm always going to be rocking those. And um, yeah, man, let's just keep in touch and keep slaying dragons. I love it, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. See you, brother.